and I'm recording. I'm making kilobytes. You're making, I'm making kilobytes. You ready to do the clap? I am ready to do the clap. All right, here we go. One, close it, close, two, wait, wait, three. close your eyes. Close wait, your wait, eyes. wait. Oh, close your eyes. Close our eyes, okay. Yep. I'm going to turn the lights out too. Okay, you ready? <laughs> yeah. One, one, two, three. I don't think we've ever been that synced. Like, that was. I say that a lot, but. I didn't hear you clap, so maybe you never clapped. That's how synced it was. And you look disgusted as always. Start the podcast. Let's go. Yes. I got. Can, I, I want to start off. I want to tell you something. A few things, and I think this is like the uh, like you and I have a lot of similarities in how we grew up and and uh, and our personalities. But there's there's a major difference. You mean the the that, snow uh, shoveling? I want to talk to you about. Yeah, yeah, the snow shoveling mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, being mediocre at sports and all other things. Yes. <laughs> uh, so where I grew up, I never had an opportunity to get into skateboarding. And how come? Um, it just it just, I, I was just I grew up in rural Illinois, and it just it wasn't like the people who skated whenever I was younger were much older than me, and they were kind of like more, uh, I guess like more punk rock, and I was kind of like a kid that wore outfits, and uh, <laughs> that doesn't so make never, like, any sense though because we're the same age, you and me, and. Right. We both grew up, but you grew up in rural Illinois. I grew up in rural north of fucking Sweden in a really small shithole, and everyone was skating. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Well, we had people that skated. They just weren't, it wasn't a scene where, like, I wasn't, I, I, you know, I rode a BMX bike, mm-hmm. and I had friends that did that, and it, we were just different than the people who skated, and the people who skated were just, just they're just older and just cut from a different cloth than us. Hmm. And so I just never got into it. And because of that, like a lot of the music and a lot of the stuff that goes with that and went with that, particularly like I see like you wearing like misfit shirts and like on your puppet, you got a misfit shirt on. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I've never listened to misfits. Ever. What? That's, ever. that's, that is crazy to me. Like completely crazy. But I know you have like a weird, like, you know a lot about music, but your taste is really like all over the place, like tentacles. Yeah, and so that was what that's 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 the confession. I just wanted to tell you that because I feel like before we go too much further, it's something you should know about me that I, I couldn't name you two Misfit songs. You couldn't. Oh, and uh, maybe we should have like no, um, not two. So you maybe and me a are dancing gonna, song. You and me are gonna have a like a. You're gonna teach me some stuff about some stuff. Maybe I can teach, teach you, you a little bit. Uh, you're gonna teach me a little bit about how to create some. Some brushes. So I'm going to teach you how to listen mm-hmm. to Misfits. How's that? Good deal? That sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I could teach you about some, some rap music or something. I know you know about cause a lot of rap music, but I could probably teach you more about that. Yeah, sure. But uh, I grew up, it was weird. I grew up listening to like uh, like classic rock type stuff. And then my mom was big into REM and, and what we called back then college music. and uh, and And just there was no... There was no those like older influential people. They they just they weren't there. I didn't those didn't exist where I'm from. 
So you listen to basically like top list radio shit. That was your frame of reference. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I mean, I, yeah, I did until until like the early '90s and whenever like Nirvana and all that came out. Until then, I was listening to. I mean, I listened to Beastie Boys and stuff, but I listened to, like a lot of like house music and like mixtapes from Chicago and stuff. I I I, I just uh, there was no punk rock in it at all. That is weird. That is so weird. Uh, yeah. So we had um. So. Maybe this is the reason. Like, uh, music was always a big thing in our school, like junior high or whatever you want to call it. Even before that, too. Like, everyone was listening a lot to music. And we had an English teacher who was, his brother was a, a metal band singer. He's, he was in a band called The Savage Skulls. And there was this little magazine. Like, it was, it looked like a, you know, those fan scene, that, that sort of like cheap, thin paper. Sure. It was one of those, but it was really thick, and it came out once every three months, and it was called Ginza, and it was located somewhere in Stockholm, I think, and it was just a registry of, there was no photos or anything in it, like, it was just a, it looked like a phone book, but in a really small scene scale, Um, and they had so much cool shit, and you could basically flip through it, this teacher of ours, he let us look through it me and my friends and we could uh, make a list of what we wanted to order because him and his brother ordered so many movies and records from this place that we didn't have to pay for shipping which was huge when we were our, our age and the records were so much cheaper than in the record store it was like two or three bucks off on each record so we ordered so much and i don't know we just all me and my friends we just like have you heard this? Have you heard that? You gotta get this record, and I don't know. It was just a thing we and we tried out new shit, and so I guess that's how how I really got a very like into punk rock and shit like that, and hip hop, rap, and a lot of metal, and I don't know. Yeah, see, I got into hip hop really quick. Like whenever like Yo MTV raps came on, mm-hmm. that I was I was stuck to that, and that that kind of. I feel like when people talk about finding punk music and it being like, oh, this, th- these people understood me and this was, these lyrics like really like, like clicked. Like I felt the same way about a lot of that stuff because it was like people talking about growing up in a shitty place that they hated. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm in a shitty place that I hate, you know, trying to make the best of it. Like that's, that's how I saw a lot of rap music. Cause back then it wasn't, it wasn't like Puff Daddy wearing silver suits. No, no, it was not. You know? It was and like like we talked about um, like two episodes ago, we had Robert Fisher on, and mm-hmm. like I told him, like the what got me into rap music was not Snoop and Dre, it was Ghetto Boys, right? So and that was really grimy shit. No, it wasn't. Yeah. It, there was no like expensive cars and girls with thongs. No, and, and see stuff like that. Like uh, like when I was in high school, there were some people that were just more in tuned. You know, and you would get in their car and flip through their CD case and find stuff that you didn't have. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I bought a lot of soundtracks, so you'd get a lot of variety from people that you wouldn't have just went out and bought their albums. So that's, like, where I learned about, like, Scarface and Ghetto Boys and and all that, you know, and Houston rap, and, and then which led to, like, Memphis rap and all that. And so then you – then what? but what I found happened a lot of times instead of saying – like like what you're saying, like you show up and somebody's listening to some punk band, you're like, oh, that's cool, what's that? I would show up playing music and people would be like, oh, fuck, this again? 
You know, yeah. they'd be like, play stuff we've heard before. They wouldn't they wouldn't want to hear stuff they'd never heard before. And I'd be like, This is dope. This is the beat nuts, you know, this is this is cool. And they're like, Where'd you buy it? And I was like, Off the two dollar rack. And they're like, Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like that was how they justified it. But even like like I got made fun of for listening to Snoop Dogg so much and you know, Snoop Dogg's still like crushing it. Same thing with Outcast. Like I got like people just riding me for listening to Outcast and, and I mean Outcast changed my life and made me want to move to the South. So I Outcast mean, is I kind of get it. Isn't it weird how like sometimes when you because um, I remember out we probably discovered Outcast at the same time because it was Fab Five Freddy being down in Georgia on Joe MTV Raps interviewing these guys. Yeah, that's how I uh, that that episode came out. Yeah, and, and, I was and just hooked and uh, and and Andre standing out with no shirt on. Yep, and and it was different. Southern playlist, you know, it's just different. It's like these guys are not acting. Yeah, it's like they're not acting like the people who are on MTV act like, and they weren't acting like how anybody acted. And I was like, if I was on MTV, I'd put on my best outfit. And these guys take their shirts off. (laughs) Don't you think that it's weird? It was weird, like in the in the in the aughts, the two thousands, that decade, when Outkast just became the biggest fucking thing on the planet, and you were like. I was. Yeah. I remember like that old first album, and I thought that this is probably gonna be their release. And then, I don't know. I I didn't expect them ever to be big. I thought it was this cool little hip hop underground thing I discovered through like MTV Raps and one segment, and that was basically it. But they became like the biggest thing on the planet. It was huge. I think it was like when AT Aliens came came out, people started, yeah, really getting into them. Well, it. It was a bit yeah, more commercial. I mean, commercial it was kind of but... mixed. It was mixed because it was so it was so weird. But like, it was just the context of their music was was weird. But what they were talking about was sitting around writing music instead of going to school and trying to do something with their lives. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I don't know. That's what clicked, and it sucks that like I had to be. 15 or 16 years old before I found that stuff that clicked but maybe that's how old most people are whenever they found punk music mm-hmm. yeah probably I think you're right uh, I don't know and the other thing too is that I wasn't mad you know I think a lot of people are like oh I had all this rage and frustration and this was an outlet for me I was just dissatisfied with where I was yeah I wasn't mad I, I just didn't I just didn't feel like I, I just felt like I was the wrong puzzle piece on that puzzle you know there's a puzzle of a cornfield and I was a brick on a corner. I could not wait to get the fuck out, like from where I was living. But like, looking back on it, I don't, I don't like, I don't mind my childhood. I think it was pretty dope. But I mean, while it was going down, I just hated living up there. It's like, I just wanted to find something that wasn't as dark and cold and didn't weren't like as small and tiny. I don't know. Yeah. Just something where you could be at least a little bit more anonymous and have like access to, to more shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's a big part of it. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now if I didn't move yeah. away from where I was. And it and it just it just was the way it was set up. It was. And I, it, I don't it, know how what I'm doing doesn't exist. I don't I don't know how it is now. Like why would you need to move from anywhere as long as you have a internet connection? Like there's nothing Except for maybe going to like shows, which is seem to be fucking over, right? Like, but you also have to get out and see what's possible. Yeah, that's the thing is that is that you 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 build 
if you're living in a diorama, it's just whatever's inside of that diorama is all you know, and it's hard to say, okay, well, I'm, I, I have this breadth of knowledge and experience because I have the internet. Mm-hmm. That's just no. Not, I mean, that's, like that's not going to be enough. I'm just mean, like I, I mean, like intuitive for for young people to feel like I need to get the fuck out of this little shithole. Like I don't think right. that same thing exists in the same way now that because they're all living by their. No matter if you live in right. New York City or if you if you live on the countryside or where you grew up. Or where I grew up, like it doesn't really matter. You have access to everything on your on your little laptop or tablet or whatever. Like you don't feel like oh, I'm missing out living in this little shithole. And uh, well, I don't know. But I mean, I I think it's just the same. I just think it's just we're just using a different method. So we used to get an East Bay catalog, and we would all trade around the, the East Bay catalog, and it was folded down the middle and all wore out. And I would get in there and circle shoes I didn't want to try to throw off the next guy so that they wouldn't <laughs> buy the same shoes as me. And I think it's I've just been... the same thing with just we've got computers now. But it's I've the been... same thought. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. I, I recognize that tactic from you. You and me have been shopping together, and you've been like, oh, have you seen this one? I'm like, I know which one you're going for. I'm... <laughs> I know you're trying to throw me off from not getting that that. That one, I, I know you're exactly right. right. And there's been a few times. There's been a few times where we where we called each other's bluff and bought the same thing. Yes, plenty of times, plenty of times. Oh, I hope we can do that again. I just want this fucking year to end. Jesus, first thing I'm doing is I'm getting on a plane to see you guys. As soon as this COVID, that'd be cool. Over. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least we got a guest room now. We've been, we've been no, we've I been mean, painting a guest room. So yeah, I mean seeing you guys, yes, but I mean like you guys, as in yeah. the, the people in the United States. You, the the brotherhood Americans. of the you want to see all the Americans yeah all the American friends yeah. that I talk to uh, daily anyway we got a guest coming on who I really think it's a hell cool, yeah cool cat I bet I bet he can tell me a little bit about misfits oh yeah he uh that's how we met me and him I'll uh I'll I'll save it for the for the thing let's see if yeah? we can get I want to hear on. about it yeah cool who do, who do we have you, oh his name is Tim Barron yeah Tim Barron and what does he do? He is a, he's one of those old school people who just d- draw a lot. <laughs> draw and draw and draw. He's in he, the pop culture, yeah. horror movies. He does a lot of horror, skate, misfits, dancing, toys. toys. He has an aesthetic that just blows my mind. So anyway, he's a, he's a beast and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to have him on. Let's talk to him. Cool. Let's do that. So we did meet. We met at Creative South. I, yeah, I'm. I, I, yeah, you I had like a you had a pretty about. sweet like leather jacket on or something, didn't you? Um, I always have some kind of outfit. Okay. On, like when I do that stuff. Yeah, I have so an I autistic memory. I think it was the black denim jacket. Yeah, that's what it was. It's was like a black denim jacket, like a Levi, like a black denim jacket that I got. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That I was like wearing out. It was like it was way too hot to be wearing a denim jacket. But uh, I was just intense and breaking it in. So yeah, well, it it created like it definitely gave you like a persona, an aura around you. So yeah, which which like those drawing competitions, like that's half of it. It's, it's just it's like a sport. You uh-huh. just have to come in and like intimidate everybody and like throw them <laughs> off their game. I was gonna ask you about that, especially like because you're, I mean, you know what your capabilities for drawing are. Yeah, you know, it's not like you know, it's not like a 
playing baseball where sometimes you hit a home run and sometimes you strike out, like most of the time you're going to be pretty like within your capabilities. So yeah. if you can get your out of your head, yeah, then, you know, you're good to go. I, you know, it was funny because I, I signed up for that just as sort of like a, a way to kind of, ch- it's something that is something that would absolutely freaked me out. And so I was like, ah, I'm just going to go ahead and, um, cause I'm kind of an introvert. And so, and I'm, I yeah. tend to be pretty like, I've tend to lived. I've tended to live my adult life as pretty risk averse. That's why I've t- tapped back into my skateboarding self a lot, which has helped. But um, so that's one of the reasons I signed up for that is because it scared the crap out of me. But um, so it was a little bit of a relief uh, when they're like, "Yeah, you're not in it." So, um, but I was gonna ask you, like, do you feel the pr- did you feel the pressure up there when you did that, or do you freak out with like coming up with an idea? At all? So I, I have this I have this thing that I do and I've and I've been doing it for years and a lot of it stems from uh, I have a live painting group here in Augusta and we do we for years we would do live painting nice. and you, it was kind of like a slow like getting used to a crowd getting used to having people bumping into you and all that while you're trying to create and what I've done is I kind of I make a deal with myself and it's like all right the nerves and everything you're just going to shut that off uh-huh. you're just going to be kind of in like a bubble there's no crowd there's no nothing and you're going to do your, what you're going to do but then after like you're going to go find a spot to be alone and all the nervousness and tension is just going to come flooding back in oh, nice. and so a lot of times after those like i will vanish and usually i'm just sitting somewhere by myself just like getting all like freaking out later right that's awesome and it's yeah it's kind of a weird thing but it's it's one if i don't do it if i don't go kind of like purge all that tension and and nervousness Uh like it'll just it'll it'll eat me up but any anytime anytime you do any sort of performance or like appearance or something and it always hits you afterwards you're not really like panicking at least not me like i'm not having Mm. like a panic moment when it's happening i just go through it i feel like this is going okay this was fine like i'm doing a talk or whatever and afterwards i'm like i can't believe i actually said that and did that and <laughs> like it like jason said it comes afterwards like oh yeah i get and then everyone's totally like it was that, fine yeah. no one noticed and yeah so yeah but but you do a lot of you do a lot of live drawing on like on instagram Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, I would be the opposite. I would rather draw directly in front of people than have people like be showing that right there. Because a lot of times, like, like, especially with painting, I feel like I'm just waiting to screw up. And I just feel really? like being that close and intimate, it would be so noticeable. Like oh, whenever man. you like fill in the wrong sh- side of the line <laughs> and it's like, shit. That's interesting, isn't it? The psychological barriers there. No, I don't know. Something about the, something about the internet like provides sort of a wall of, of, uh, of safety or something. And if I'm, and if I'm doing something I'm super comfortable with, like pen and ink or, or whatever, it's just kind of jamming, you know, uh, it's not, but yeah, anytime it's like live in person, I would just probably, I, I told, that's why when you guys said afterwards, you totally just like decompress and just disappear. I totally get that. I think I would probably call that my introvert hangover. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, uh, inter- let's, let's, we, we kind of did a, we did, we, we, we know you, but we didn't really introduce you to the podcast very well. Sure. So, uh, tell us, tell us who you are and what you do. Like a quick rundown of, of your, what's your jam? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, name is Tim Barron. I'm an artist and illustrator and a skateboarder. And, uh, the past couple of years I've done a lot of, uh, skateboard designs, deck designs for like creature, 
uh, Super 8 skateboards, and I've got a couple other ones in the works. Uh, I've done some action figure designs for Super 7 uh, toys. I've designed a couple of their reaction figures, which has been awesome. And uh, so I'm always just pumping out a lot of monster and uh, kind of horror-related stuff. I like to call it fun, scary uh, artwork. I'm big into toys, and so pretty established in the and a toy art community, art toy community, I guess you'd call that on Instagram. So really into packaging art and, and uh, I know that's the whole growing up as a kid in the 80s, uh, the toys and action figures, Transformers, G.I. Joe, all that stuff really, really nestled itself into my creative DNA. And so I'm just kind of continually living that out over and over again. So I hope that helps. And I'm a skateboarder. I've been skateboarding since I was in fifth grade. I'm 44 now. And uh, I just recently relearned 360 flips or tray flips. I saw that. As the kids call them these days. Yeah. So, yes, I, I saw that. You just posted one up. And I was like, at first, I, like, I saw you and I was like, oh no. And then you nailed it. Like, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Like, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it said, and then it was funny because the caption was like, now I got to get back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when he, when he practices his, um, yeah, when, when he practices his skate, new skateboarding tricks. That's when he butt dials me at four in the morning. Oh, totally. I did. I totally <laughs> butt dialed you, uh, FaceTimed you, I think on Friday. <laughs> yeah. I woke up and I'm like, Tim called me in the middle of the night. He's probably working on this thing or he was drunk or, and then like, no, no, no. Butt dial. Like, All right. Makes sense. <laughs> I'm really surprised the mirror didn't answer. Yeah. It was one of those. Usually he'll answer something like asleep. that at any time. You said you said something. Uh, you said a reaction figure. Yeah. What is that? Reaction figures is a line of uh, action figures that Super Seven, uh, Brian Flynn, uh, who also runs Hybrid Design out of San Francisco. It's this toy company called Super Seven, and I believe they started off doing like Japanese vinyl toys uh, over a decade ago. And about five or six years ago, they started creating these uh, figures called reaction figures. And basically what they are is sort of an homage to the 80s style, uh, almost like Star Wars action figures of the 80s by like Kenner and stuff like that. But they do a lot of um, retro I know, like movies from the '80s, or punk rock figures, or music figures. Like they did, they do a bunch of. Uh, they've got licenses for just about everything. Like they just released a whole set of like Slayer action figures, which are just based off the album cover art. And so uh, the movie They Live, um, I did the action figures. I designed three for them for that. And what that means when I when I say I designed them, I. I did the turnaround drawings that the sculptor uses um, and references when they when they sculpt it, and uh, I've got a funny story if you want to hear it with the. Yes, they live I love that movie and I love Super Seven, so go go for it. Yeah. Okay. So this was this was awesome, and this was like, I you have those moments in your creative journey that are like landmark moments, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've worked I've worked a day job for twenty years, and I just recently was able to quit about eight uh see this is week seven that i'm actually out of the day job so two years ago it was, it was a pretty rough patch like i was at the point i worked at a, it was a financial institution as a graphic designer and it was an insurance company to be more specific and i don't know man insurance just doesn't get the uh, the creative blood boiling you know what i'm saying <laughs> 
And uh, so I had, I had reached sort of a, it was hard because I was, I was burning the midnight oil and uh, I'd had several huge projects. And so I was working off of very little sleep. And so I I had to keep the day job up because I had to provide for the family and providing uh, benefits and whatnot. But uh, it was a dark patch. Like I had like my worst review ever. And uh, I had gotten in, it's like I kept getting in trouble for the same things. And it was just sort of like, it was, it was when, when I really knew, I was like, I need to, I need to move on. It was a great company, great people, but there's those times when you know that the, the journey is taking you, finally, you know, forcing you onward and upward. So I was in the middle of this meeting and it was over this, like, this brochure, or some newsletter, or something like that. And I was, I was trying really hard to be engaged, man. And uh, then I got a, I got a, I got an email. I felt my phone buzz in my pocket. And so I'm in the middle of this, this meeting between my bosses there and like, we're all talking to one of the, somebody on Skype or something and, and just not engaged. Right. But I'm trying to, I'm trying really hard. I look down at my phone and it's a freaking DM from Brian Flynn from super seven asking if I'd be interested in doing some freelance work and <laughs> the juxtaposition of like, like, uh, existential mind numbing boredom <laughs> and like yeah just a dopamine adrenaline rush like you've never had before in your whole life like like those two things squashed together in in one moment's time it was crazy so uh so i i designed the um that they live figures uh for them and uh then i went on to do several other figures for them i did the uh did the the modern era king diamond figure i did what else did I do? I did an agnostic front uh, figure. I did the anthra- anthrax figure. I did the what was the other one? Oh, the rancid figure, the Tim Armstrong rancid skeleton figure, which was awesome because I love punk rock and I love heavy metal. And uh, that anthrax among the living album was one of the first albums, metal albums I ever got. In fact, I remember the first time I saw that ad in Thrasher magazine. And so to be able to design that figure was it was awesome. It was such a it was it was an honor. So super psyched for the stuff I've been able to do with them. It's really hard to, when, when you find something that you love to do like mm-hmm. that, it's really hard to pretend to love something you don't. Oh man. Yeah. I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried, like I tried like for my own self-respect and whatnot. I was, I was trying really, really hard to do the best job I could. Uh, but um, yeah, so I didn't, everything ended nicely and um, I still talk to my friends there and, but it's, it's cool to be able to finally move on to that next stage, you know, cause I well, felt like I was on the precipice there for like a couple years and that, that tension and trying to maintain those two worlds was, was really weighing yeah. down on me. I, I've been, I've been on my own for a year now. Well, actually a little over a year. And it's one of those things that I feel like you can't, really understand until you're doing it completely yep it's like it's like doing flips off a diving board like mm-hmm. if you're standing on the side of the pool there's no way you can understand what it's like going off the diving board yep. and uh and until you're doing it you don't understand but i've been doing it for over a year and it's been incredible it's just it's it is a roller coaster mm-hmm. it has highs and lows and obviously we're in a pandemic and i didn't expect that <laughs> but uh but it's been awesome you know i love coming to work 
I love the work that I'm doing and, and I really like the people I work with. So it's, it's oh, been awesome. really cool, but it's just one of those things that until you're doing it, you can't really grasp yeah. it. That's true. Did you like work at an ad agency before or? I've worked, so I worked at an ad agency for six and a half years and then I left there kind of, kind of the same way what you're saying. Like you just weren't, just weren't into it and trying to remain yeah. engaged, but just couldn't. And so I left and got a job. I worked for a nonprofit music festival, oh, nice. music and art festival. And then I just kind of, over the course of three years, just sort of made my mark there. And, and I just felt like it came to a natural conclusion. And at that point, working for myself was, it was just the next best option. I, I mean, I interviewed with other places and it was like, I don't want to go back to an agency. I don't want to go mm -hmm. to do something I don't believe in. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, it's time to believe in myself. And at that time too, like my support structure around me grew like oh, quite a bit awesome. to where I felt like it was the right time. So, yeah, and it's been incredible. It's been cool. I get to do all those, all those cool jobs. Like you're talking about, you know, it's like, I think that somebody would think, Oh, one action figure for they live makes you quit your job after 20 years. But it's now you have time to do one, you know, over and over. You can do mm -hmm. them all the time. Yeah. Whereas before it was like you said, giving up midnight, the midnight oil, like giving up family and weekends and stuff. Now you're doing it during the day. Yeah. Which is awesome. So I'm super grateful finally for the, for the opportunity. So how did, how did you break into that? Uh, how'd you break into the, uh, the toy gig? I mean, how'd you go from sketching them to actually getting discovered and then making them real? Yeah. So I, like I said, I've always been a huge toy geek, uh, huge. That was just a huge part of my growing up was collecting toys. And if you, actually, if you see behind me, I've got a ton, a ton of, of yeah. figures and whatnot in my collection. And so probably about, I'd say six years ago, uh, when I first got on Inst Instagram, I started, um, I immediately found my way into sort of the, the art toy, like bootleg toy community which uh, I believe kind of started out with guys like Suck Lord, and if you're familiar with him at all. Uh, yeah. Okay, and uh, I think he kind of got the ball rolling with a lot of that stuff, and a lot of other people followed suit, and it kind of came this sort of movement. But I quickly made friends with a couple guys on there. One of them works for Nike, uh, and he does some stuff on the side. And I'm trying to remember, uh, uh, well, there was one guy, Extra, extra Trekestrial, and then, oh my gosh, I'm totally drawing a blank. Uh, Skip Bro Toys, sorry. Skip Bro Toys. And he's the designer who actually works for Nike. And so we basically, uh, with a couple of these guys, I did kind of some barter deals where I would do them uh, card art and for their figures that they're releasing. And then they would mold and cast the figures that I needed done. Because I started out trying to do that myself. And it's just not, I'm so ADHD when it comes to dealing with like hazardous chemicals, like at one thirty in the morning, it's just not right. a good idea for me to be doing. So, uh, so I outsourced that part. And so it's just been a cool way, uh, just working with other people and helping them with their projects. And then they helped me with my projects and that kind of helped establish me in that, that scene. And of course, just being an, an avid collector, uh, you're kind of you you get it you understand it and so so from there i started um once i started doing like the card art for people's projects and stuff i started like i said i started trying to make my own and so i've released a steady f uh flow of of figures and i got another cool story for you if you want to hear it uh actually this was almost 
just over two years ago. And this was like, this was when things were at their worst. I had just gotten, uh, it's had a pretty bad review annual review real bad. <laughs> and so, and I was feeling it, man, I was feeling it. I was feeling it. And, uh, I had made this, this crawl. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie crawl from the 1980s. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like the love child of Lord of the Rings and star Wars. It's, it's pretty bad, but it's pretty awesome for like all the wrong reasons, you know, but it's a great eighties movie. And I did a figure of the Cyclops from there. And so there I am on a Saturday afternoon, I'm at home with uh, the kids and I got an email that came through and it said from Adam Goldberg. And I was like, Adam Goldberg. And it sure enough, it was the Adam Goldberg, who is like the producer writer for the show, the Goldbergs. And he was like, Hey, I'm interested in buying a crawl figure and some of your, I did like some critters and uh, like some ghoulies action figures too. And he said, I'm interested in having those on the show. And I was just like, again, it was one of those moments where something like a dark moment in my day job is paired with a bright moment in my area of passion and love and whatnot and creativity. And I was just like, once I kind of like, got out of a state of, of being completely and utterly stunned and like the adrenaline rush and whatnot. I, I emailed him back like, Hey, well, what do you need? What do you need? And he had mentioned that he wants to, ha he wanted to have, uh, you know, a bunch of these bootleg figures in the background of this scene. There was this, like this, this Toys R Us recreation scene and <clears throat> excuse me, it, it showed up. It was, it was awesome. There's the episode is called Bohemian rap city and I think it's in one of the last seasons. It was like two years ago. And, uh, dude, it's awesome because it's the, the opening sequence is little Adam Goldberg and he's standing in Toys R Us and he's looking, it, it, it is a mind blowing scene. Cause you have all these things like the He-Man Eternia playset set, uh, there you have just shelves filled with eighties generation one transformers. And then in the background behind little Adam Goldberg, you have all these bootleg toys. So for a split nanosecond, you can see uh, my Cyclops figure. You can see uh, there's like a Critters and a Ghoulies figure. And then there's a ton of other like, great artists uh, whose work was on there too. Dano uh, Toys was out, was out there. And then, and then Suck Lord was uh, starred as the Toys R Us uh, employee. And so him and Adam had this back and forth about uh, GoBots, Rock Lords action figures, and uh, how they were the next big thing, which is funny. If you know anything about GoBots, Rock Lords, they're they're pretty lame. So therein lies the humor. But, anyways, so uh, super. If you if you get on Hulu and and rewatch that, it's in the first like, the first two minutes uh, of the sequence. You can see uh, it's it's a super cool. It's a funny scene too. It's great. So, so. Um, so yeah, so that got me, that, you know, led to some other opportunities and um, uh, within the art toy community and that kind of helped establish me and some other guys uh, also. So there's all these little steps, you know, um, all these tiny little opportunities as, as they come. Leads towards the goal. Yes, totally. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so Adam, Adam was in one of my all time favorite movies. I love that movie so much that my 40th birthday, my fiance, put the whole theme of the party around this movie and it's uh, dazed and confused oh nice is that adam goldberg the goldberg guy or the other adam goldberg is there two there's, it is there's, there's two. two. Oh, i had no idea 
Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, wow. The one is an actor. Yes. And the other one is in... He's also in... All right. Wow. I had no idea. Fargo. One, one of them was in Fargo, the, the TV show, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, he's yeah. in Fargo yep. and he's in... Um, He's in season two, no, season one of Fargo, and he's also yes. in Days and Confused. I thought this was the same person. Okay. But I can no, I can connect this all together, though. I yeah. can connect this Tie all together. Up. So the actor, Adam Goldberg, yeah. is <laughs> friends with the designer, Aaron Draplin, who had a poster in the background of the Goldbergs <laughs> made by Adam Goldberg, no fucking way. the producer. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Boom. Now, that's the theme of your next birthday party. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Product placement. That, when I turn 50. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out for my 50th, I guess. So is that a, is that a big process? Like, is it filling out, like, docu like, contracts or anything to have something in the background of a show? Or is it just signing a release and, and let, it, let it fly and maybe it, it doesn't hit the editing room floor? I don't even know if I signed anything. <clears throat> I think we were all just... We were all just super excited. Um, I think I asked him. He was like, ah, don't worry about it. I think. I don't think he had me sign anything. But if he did, I signed it. But, yeah. Yeah. So that was just a simple thing. You just sent it off to him. Just packaged those uh, suckers up and sent them off to him. And uh, I've sent him some other uh, things uh, since as well. So he's a super, super cool guy. And it's so funny because I, I, like I, I watched some of those episodes of the Goldbergs uh, when, it, when it first started airing. And was really I always thought it was super funny to see like the scenes that you know that were in the actual episode you know that were that were part of the episode but then at the end like after the credits he would have like the actual video footage of when he was a kid and he actually taped it in like Megatron versus Optimus Prime and stuff like that with his own yeah that that was just so like that's so like that's me that's so close to my heart so it was super cool to be able to play a small part in that in that scene that was a funny episode, too, by the way. I'll definitely have to check that out. We don't have Hulu over here, but I'm sure it's available somewhere in some capacity. Yeah. I'll tell you about it. Yeah. You can I'll watch it and tell you about it. You'll watch it and tell me. So yeah. the, the first time I met you was you walked up to me. I was on the – I was I was at Creative South um, yep. outside of a bar together with Tim Stiles, who's also, by the way, a huge toy collector. And uh, Yep. Awesome guy. Yeah. Me and him are sitting there having beers on like a outdoor uh, serving at a bar and you show up and you're like, hey, I just wanted to give you these. And you gave me these Misfits buttons that were the, they were so fucking cool. I was like, who are you? What? Wait, what is this? Have you made these? <laughs> and we started talking and yeah, that I, uh, that's how we met. And I don't know how you knew about my, uh, my love for, for the Misfits, but Somehow you did, and it was Brian Manley. But yeah, that, that's the first time we met, and uh, yeah, we were supposed to meet this year as well, but well, for obvious reason that that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and actually, it was funny. The reason I met Brian is because I didn't get into the 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 mural thing, and so uh, I was. It was everybody else was doing the, the murals or all the artists were up there doing the murals and I was kind of like bummed out or whatnot. And so I was just sitting there and then Brian, who is like the most social human being I've ever met in my life, him and like four other people just kind of sat down next to me and then somehow included me into their conversation. And then he proceeded to introduce me to like everybody. 
because he knows everybody and Amira being one of them. And so that was kind of a cool, uh, cool way the night turned out. So it all worked out for the best. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, Brian Very is cool. Brian's the one who picks me up at the airport when I come to the States and he's the one I always. Oh, awesome. Yeah. He's the one who, uh, who books the restaurants we're going to go and see in Atlanta. He's the one who, yeah, he's just, a he's just a big, he's just a big social network of a man. I don't know. He, he knows he, everybody. He really is. So you're in Indiana. I am. Yep. I grew up, I grew up in Illinois and we used to have ads for Indiana, Indiana beach. And it was like, there's more than corn in oh, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Just yep. within your reach, it's <laughs> Indiana Beach. Do you, do you think that uh, how does that like what kind of what kind of growing growing up did you do? Is it a small town like cornfields like like I'm used to, or is it closer like Chicago type stuff? Uh, well, it's Fort Wayne, which is kind of like I've heard it referred to as a uh, a small big city or a big small city. I can't or it, kind of a, a weird mixture of those things. It's not like Chicago or anything, but there's like I don't know there's a lot of stuff going on, but uh, there was always, I mean, especially right now, the arts community is really growing, which is cool. And growing up, there is, we had a huge skateboarding community also, and a very, very vibrant uh, skateboarding community, uh, which is cool. And like a lot of those people went on, like one of the guys uh, that I skated with went on to be one of the art directors at NHS in Santa Cruz skateboards and that's actually part of how i got uh involved with creature which is cool so yeah i mean it's okay it sounds like everybody thinks uh indiana and corn and whatnot but i kind of didn't know any i didn't know anything different and i don't know we had a lot of we had a lot of fun growing up so i don't know that's the that's the more than corn part that's the more than corn part absolutely i want to talk about uh i want to talk about uh the the full-time solo like like yeah. process like so uh before like obviously you said two years ago you got a, a bad review and, uh, <laughs> or uh, yeah which which i did the same thing i i got one bad review in history and it's the last review i'll ever get because i was like all right well if i'm getting bad reviews i'm over it yeah. but uh wh what led up to it was it like a was it just like an epiphany or did you spend a lot of time building up to make it possible or i mean with the insurance and all that to think about how did, what was that process like? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a, it was a continuous building up and then finally it was like a crisis point and I had to do something. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was continuously building up, building up and, you know, getting clients. And then it's like, I kind of reached a point where I stopped looking as much for the opportunities and the opportunities started coming to me. And, uh, so that was really cool, especially with skateboarding. Uh, and skateboarding just keeps coming up over and over again. Uh, for instance, I, I think one of the things that really helped was I had done a, I did a benefit board for the skateboarder Alan Losey, uh that was put out by Schmidt Sticks uh, a month or two ago. And so that was pretty cool because a lot of people were reposting that and there was like some pros and whatnot that had reposted it to their Instagram page, which was super cool. And that opened up, I had a bunch of people calling me and emailing me after that. And that whole thing I just stumbled into by accident, which was funny. But yeah, I mean, it was just, it was continuously saving money that I made and uh, just being very, 
intentional with trying to reach out to clients that I wanted to work with and following up and continuously, you know, developing my own thing on the side, uh, continuously keeping projects, making projects for myself. And I, you know, I'm, I, I hired a couple like business coaches or life coaches, even like desperation. Yeah. Yeah. Desperation. I was just, I was trying anything. Like I would just listen to podcasts all day, like career oriented. Po- I, I would go through phases like Mark Brickey's podcast, uh, his adventures in design podcast, which uh, I love that. That was really helpful. And I joined his like mastermind course or whatever. It was like a three month course. I did that. And I hired a guy uh, about like three years ago who kind of helped initially point me in the right direction. And then just here, here's what happened. You want you want to know what really tipped the scales? Um, oh yeah. Okay. Have you, you're, you from, do you know who Kathy Heller is? The don't keep your day job lady. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Sweet, sweet lady. Um, she did actually, it was funny, uh, right. Like right after COVID dropped, it was probably like three, four weeks in and it was cool because it was at that time, it seemed like a lot of creatives were just starting to realize, Hey, I can thrive during this nightmare and, you know, keep going. And so Mark Brickey did a thing where it was like an all day event. Um, I forget what it was. It was called the fired fired festival fired, fired festival, festival I think yeah yeah. It's called. yeah and so i watched that and during that same week kathy heller did uh something on youtube it was called made for this or something like that uh and basically without me realizing it was basically like a primer or it was kind of a i don't know like a challenge like a creative challenge or whatever that led up into her big her big big course which was called made to do this and uh it was funny because I just, I knew I needed to do something and we were still working from home, you know, the day job. And I just needed, to, I knew that this time I needed to use this time really wisely, really intentionally. And mm-hmm. uh, so I just reached out to her and I said, Hey, thank you so much for, you know, you're made to do this thing. And this was great. This really, really helped me. And she was like, Hey, did you sign up for my course? And then, uh, so somehow her sister ended up contacting me and I ended up talking to her and, uh, I spent a huge chunk of change. I'll just say I dropped almost $3,000 to be part of her course. And I did that for a couple of reasons. One, because Kathy is rad and her podcast is rad and I've listened to it for a long time and she's just super full of energy and ideas and just I think just gives, gives and gives to her community. And so, you know, just listening to everything that was in this course, I knew it would be extremely like everything I would ever need to know about anything going out on my own, creating a brand, building on my brand, whatnot, it's in there. And so, and also, also it was a challenge to myself because I was like, if I drop $3,000, and I don't quit my day job, then I suck and I subconsciously don't want to quit my day job. And I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to accept the fact that I'm a miserable human being. And I, I just want to keep doing this insurance graphic design forever and ever. And, uh, so I, so sort of a do or die moment. It was a do or die moment. Definitely. And so it was probably like four or five weeks in, I, I gave my two week notice. My, I talked to my wife and she was like, yeah, it's, it's time. You need, you need to get out of there because it was, 
it was uh, it was at a point where, again, like I said, everybody that everybody there is cool. Is just I had outstayed my, I had outstayed my 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 welcome by by a while. So, and I just I yeah. didn't have anything left to give. I literally reached a point where I did not have one more insurance form in me <laughs> to force my way through. <laughs> I just didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't act like I was interested at all <laughs> at all like, i was on autopilot i i can't so. see like how someone like you with your talent and your like creative output could yeah like, you did it for as long as you did that that just that's mind-blowing that's it's 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 no different than that like analogy about like like the tying up the elephants at the circus like tying them to a little bitty stake yes. yep. by their foot it's the same thing you're absolutely it's, right yeah, yeah. Uh, it, and but I, I like whenever I was working like my thing and and for years I was like my two my two things is I didn't want to I didn't want to go to work so, to fight like that was uh -huh. the thing I didn't want to get wake up every morning go to work to fight and I didn't want to become stagnant yeah and so uh, this last this last job which it was the same thing it was like it was like a, a a secular thing where it's like every year we would ramp up to do a festival and it was like the the next year and I was like I don't really have any fresh ideas. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, it's just time for I could I could go on autopilot like you were, uh -huh. or I could just stop." Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, I I figured out a a good time like when would be the best time that would be fair for them so they could find somebody else and all that. And then I used up my vacation to go see Amir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I came back and and the day I came back from Sweden, I uh, I put in my notice. And, nice. Uh, again, it's just like jumping off the diving board or or pulling that stake out. It, yeah. It's just it's freeing, and then and now it's like thinking like like what Amir's saying. He can't imagine sitting there like that. I bet you can't think. You can't imagine going back to it. No. Oh, I couldn't. I literally couldn't. Yeah. Like I said, everybody there is. I I've had lunch with several of my friends and stuff, and so I miss the people. And I didn't realize it's funny how much your social life kind of takes a hit because um, all of a yeah. sudden you're working from home and you see your family a lot, but uh, you have to be really intentional with getting out and and talking to people and, and making sure you keep up your, your contacts and interacting with other grownups and human beings and whatnot. If there's, if there's, oh, any, yeah. if there's anything I can recommend, I couldn't re recommend higher that like, just get a, get an office space, whatever it is, find somewhere you can spend your days at an office because just getting out of the house. Mm. And I, this might sound hypocritical because I quit my office for the, in uh, on the last of December last year and because of I was g gonna get a new place but because of COVID and whatnot that has been put on hold and I'm I'm not very happy working mm -hmm. from home like I'm I'm satisfied with my life but I, th there's one thing I want to change is getting back to an office again but getting out of the house going somewhere it feels like you're actually doing real work well whilst you can work from home and do a lot of work but it's always gonna feel like I'm still at home and yes and it doesn't matter like when your when your significant other comes home, it doesn't matter if you're like I'm gonna work for a couple more hours and they're gonna be like yeah I'll leave you alone, uh, do your thing. It still feels like as soon as they walk in the door, your your work day is sort of over. Uh huh. I can and, see that. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed because I even put like a collared shirt on. Like I don't dress up or anything, but sometimes like I figured out I have to do my administrative stuff like first thing when my mind is kind of fresh because so I can't you put on a suit. Like, no, I don't put on a suit. I do put on like a, like a collared shirt though. Like a, I mean, it's, it's still very informal, but um, it has a collar to it. And so if I got to do like, 
That's like smart. contracts. Like if I got to do contracts or phones or, so, or a phone call or something with a potential client, I'll do something to kind of get myself in that mode, you know. So, so you don't do that I wearing mean, wearing a skateboard T-shirt and uh, sweatpants or cargo shorts. You put on a you <laughs> put on a, some sort of collar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's funny, but that makes complete sense to me because it's yeah. the same thing as putting on like the black denim jacket when it's like eighty five out. Because yeah, man. that's that's the that's the mode that you're going into. Yeah. Do you guys ever tap into the whole? I've heard people talk about alter egos. Do you guys have any alter egos? Like Jason, I almost could see you like your your zone that you went into with that, like tapping into an alter ego. Yeah. So. It is, but but really, I just became mine altogether. So I'm always the alter ego now. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> sort of. No, it it does. <laughs> I do that. I actually, that's that. There is some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my thing is, is like I'm always that alter ego. Like when you see me drawing and stuff like that, it's the tapping into the other thing when I have to like mow the yard or something. That's whenever <laughs> I tap in to the alter ego to like be like oh, oh god wow. let me just get done with this yard mowing or whatever that might be right. so uh but 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 it is it's like a like i'll get like i'll listen to certain music okay like here's a great example like uh i used to i used to draw on this chalkboard for this restaurant yeah. and i had an agreement with them where it was like i was going to draw as a four foot by four foot chalkboard and i was going to draw on it every month i was going to take no more than one hour no sketches i would just go up and freestyle it every time yeah and I just had this process and it was a repeatable process. I put on the same album. I knew like what song, like I would start like concepting and it was like, when this song comes on, whatever you have up there, that's what you got to do. Cause you only have enough time to finish. And it, even if you don't like it, you just got to do it. Yeah. And so it was sort of that thing where it's just like, you just get into that like flow state zone and I could like force myself into it. And generally like the shorter notice I have, the easier it is for me to force myself into it. Oh, interesting. And it's kind of weird that way. So, like, if you, like, if, like, and there's been people that, that understand this and they've needed me to do, like, sp- like speak on a whim or something, and they don't tell me until about five minutes before. And, yeah. like, oh, we need you to go fill 20 minutes. And it's like, all right. But if you give me two days to think about it, I'll overthink it. Yep. I'll try to do something that's out of my wheelhouse or something like that. But if I'm just running on muscle memory and doing what I know, mm-hmm. then it's usually no problem. Oh, that's awesome. what about you yeah what about you yeah i do i i do have an alter ego i you know and it it dawned on me like it's been slowly slowly dawning on me like i rewatched breaking bad so all-time favorite tv show and are you guys breaking bad fans yeah i'm I'm an even bigger fan of uh, better call Saul. actually it's pretty cool like in those early episodes uh walter white he has a black hat and whenever he puts the black hat on Heisenberg, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Whenever he's going yeah. to do something nefar- nef- nefarious, yep. the black hat goes on. And when he goes to kill Gus Fring for the first time, the black hat goes on. When he goes to meet those uh, Tuco with Jesse, yeah. the mm-hmm. black hat's on. And in one of the last episodes, and he gets um, relocated up in, what was it, was in Alaska or New Hampshire or whatever, and he's, he's dying, like his cancer is killing him. And the guy tells him, he's like, don't leave the premises. So right after the dude leaves, he tries to leave the premises. He puts on the hat and he tries to leave the premise, starts coughing, goes back. But what's interesting is that in those last episodes, 
I realized as I was thinking about this, like he doesn't wear the black hat because Walter White has become Heisenberg. Like when he mm-hmm. goes and, and, and kills all the, the Nazi dudes or whatever and gets Jesse released or whatever, like that's Heisenberg coming to get them. Like Walter White is fine. The, 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 the hat is useless to him at that point. He He's already become, dead. He is Heisenberg. Yeah. 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 That so yes, already done, so yeah. I do have an alter ego and uh, I just kind of started tapping into this in the past year. I was uh, my, my therapist, I'll, I'll be a little vulnerable here, but um, so I was, I was talking to my therapist one, one, one day last year and she was talking about this. There's this thing called uh, internal family systems, which it, it might sound flaky at first, but it's, it's pretty rad where it basically just kind of helps you to look at your internal world and identify the different parts of you and uh and i started doing this this series of drawings and just kind of identifying these different parts of me and and to talk about how old they are and and stuff too and so like i said it sounds flaky like they're not actually that but it kind of helps you to picture your internal world and then i started telling her about the skateboarder and and she was like well what's he like and i'm like well skateboarders like f you everybody and she's like, wait, 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 hold on, back up, back up. She's like, tell me more. And uh, and she just said, you need to tap in. You need to get the little, the little uh, insecure, wounded boy out of your driver's seat, and you need to put the freaking skateboarder in there. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I really do. And so, and then it dawned on me, I don't know, a few months ago, like when I was, uh, like back in the '90s, there was this kid I skated with, uh, like late nineties, 97, I skated with this guy named Kurt Shively, super cool dude, a couple years younger than me. But like, I was known for my big ollies. Like my ollies were, were massive. Like if you go on my Instagram page, big, I still, I still got a pretty good ollie, but circa 1995 to 97, they were huge, big ollies. But he called me, he started calling me dragon wings. And (laughs) yeah. And so I just started thinking about that. And so that got me thinking, okay, that skateboarder, that's dragon wings. I need to tap into dragon wings more often. And, and when I had to take like small steps of courage in leaving day job, I had to tap into dragon wings when I'm talking to a potential client. Uh, and I need that confidence. I, I need to, I need, I need dragon wings. Yeah. I'm dragon wings. Like even right yeah. now, as I'm talking to you guys, I've got a little sign above my computer that says dragon wings. So it's just a way to help me, I don't know, put myself in that mindset, like, you know, that alter ego or, or whatever. So, so yeah, so I do have an alter ego. His name is dragon wings. And, um, that's kind of how I have to, um, project myself. If that makes any sense whatsoever. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. You you actually like Dragon Wings and your name is Tim Barron. Like you sound like a, a super villain in the making. <laughs> yes. Like it's just Yeah. Hope like a, hope just Dragon Wings and a Misfits t shirt on a skateboard. Yeah, it wakes up in the hospital <laughs> just, and and uh, something changed and then yeah. Yeah. Out. Sort of like like Tooth Just burning a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Flying over a cornfield just burning it. No, but I'm not sure if it's like if smog it's like, from Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it's like an alter ego thing for me or, or not, but I, I know when I when I hit reply on a on a on a business inquiry or when I'm talking to a client, I mm-hmm. 
I have this thing where I, I, I don't put smileys in. I, I smile in an email without using emojis, basically. But I also never tell them like, oh, I'm so excited that you reached out about this particular project because I'm so psyched to do something like this. I just make every reply, no matter if it's, no matter how fun uh, or excited uh, yeah. I am for the project, I just keep it super professional. It's just something I've changed over the years. Because I used to be like, if I tell them how hyped I am that they contacted me, they'll be inclined to hire me. And uh, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. I'm sure that's true from, from in some cases. But I mean, overall, I think just being met with professionalism and also this thing of not like, not like... Um, well, I usually do it like this, but if you guys want, we can do it like this. I just tell everyone like this is the these are the terms. This is how I prefer to get paid. This is my terms for payment, mm -hmm. and you're gonna receive this and this. Yeah. And at this stage, we're gonna do this. And I just set my own terms, and I, I just put it out there like sort of strict, but not like not like on an offense or anything. Just professional, and I think that's super helpful and then once you get to know a, a client and you might get a they become a return client and you keep doing more and more work the more and more relaxed the relationship's going to be and for instance like yeah like when i reached out to you about working together you and me can have a completely different rep uh, repertoire between each other because we're we're peers we're both designers and i don't have mm -hmm. to be super uh suit uh, professional when I talk to you, but when I, when I talk to someone mm -hmm. who's like from from any sort of company or doesn't really matter what what kind of business they're in, I just try to keep that that business persona on, if that makes sense. And I think I think that that, yeah. that helps. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that smiling without the emojis thing. That's really cool. I actually I actually learned that at one of my shittiest job experiences my whole life. So. <laughs> for a very very short time um this was like i don't know 15 years ago i had a job for like i don't know how long i stayed there maybe four or five months i worked with um mm -hmm. a, a, a what, what do you call it like um like a telecom company and i was answering emails from clients for them about like invoicing and shit like that it was it was a really horrific job and it paid so bad, but <laughs> I stayed there for, for some months and, uh, and they, they taught us like, don't use emojis, smile in emails without using emojis. And that was oh, I like that. probably worth it. Like that shitty job. Cause I, I took that with me. Like they're like, you can, yeah. you can, you can be very friendly without using the smiley or the, or the wink emoji or the, the heart like you can be really friendly in an email without because it's hard to communicate and sometimes you say something to someone in an email and it might sound harsh because you're not putting a wink after it but right you gotta learn you gotta learn that email language because it's it's so much different when there's not a person in front of you and you don't really know yeah. by the you can't tell by the tone of the voice or anything you know so that's one thing yeah. I, I took with me from that and i, I always uh Try to try to use that in my my daily life too. Oh, that's awesome! I like that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, tell us about your dream clients. Like, like you got this. You got the whole world ahead of you. Like, <laughs> where's your where 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 are you aiming that arrow? Yeah. 
Uh, well, like I said, the uh, the skateboarding and the toys is like that's sort of where my heart really sings the loudest, I guess. And so um, I've worked quite a bit with a company called Super. That's eh, funny, Super Seven and Super Eight. Super Seven is mm-hmm. a toy company. Super Eight is a skateboard company. And uh, I basically did a complete rebrand on Super Eight skateboards, and I've done probably about a dozen. Uh, deck designs for them and he just keeps putting out product and keeps using me for it and that's um that's been great and you know when i get a chance to work with super seven or uh, any other toy related company that's great i've got a couple things in the cooker that are you know top secret classified still but uh i would just i would love to continue to to be able to work in some way with those intellectual properties you know the toys and be it toys or skateboard companies or whatever that i grew up with um i've been in talks with a couple skateboard companies that and a couple skateboarders that played a huge role uh in my life when i was really young and to be able to have i've had a couple phone conversations like i said still in in talks or whatnot so possibility of working on some of those things i've also just started my etsy store last week uh that's new to me the whole uh, you know, merchandise. I've, I've played with a little bit. I, like I had a merch by Amazon account where I throw up a bunch of t-shirt designs on there with, you know, some success, but nothing groundbreaking or whatever. But I just started making posters. And uh, last, last week was my first week on Etsy and it, it did great. And so I'd really like to begin. I mean, I've worked on so many other people's projects I really want to see what it looks like if I take, you know, some of my best ideas and I start moving forward with my own projects with them, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's kind of like what, what Clark told us, you know, Clark was the same thing. He's like, I, I've been working with other people's assets for so long. Let me do my ideas and see how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. Clark or of Hellcats. That guy does incredible work. He is fantastic. Always. And then are you still, are you taking the, the, the insurance form freelance work? <laughs> never, never again. Never? Never again. Man. Never again. I will say this, though. I will say this. If you have to work a day job, um, if you can use that time to build, like I listened to podcasts all day long while I was designing forms. And the one thing that was good about designing forms is utterly mindless, you know, is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, you know, part of my brain was free to learn. And so I would just listen to, you know, adventures in design podcast or, um, you know, what other, other thought provoking or career oriented design podcast that was there. And so there is a, there is a certain something to like, if you, if you are working a day job that it's not what your passion is so that it allows for you know, the passion to exist and be totally funneled into your side gig, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, sure. for sure. Like I had, yeah. so I worked for myself for a very long time, but I've had like times in my life where I've, I couldn't support myself completely by doing graphic design. So I had to take some other job and I had a day job like, I don't know when this must be like 20, almost 20 years ago. I was at a warehouse. Mm-hmm. And I was basically picking up empty bottles and sorting them by glass or plastic all day. Uh-huh. And yep. I've never had so many ideas. Like, I was just yeah. listening to shit 
and I was just like building uh-huh. my f- my future. Now I'm doing the rabbit ears here, uh, like empire. Like what? How will I? Yeah. You know, how how will I? How can I build my own shit? And that was yeah. I think it like it was some uh, someone who said like they were in jail for a long time and they said like once you get into a certain state of mind you're no longer in jail in here and mm-hmm. like in your head you can sort of like escape prison and build your future what's going to happen when you get out and that's yeah. i mean i can't compare jail to being on a on a fucking assembly line but it's i'm, I'm sure the the, the men- mentality is, is sort of the same because it it really feels like you're you're doing like sl- like some sort of like prison labor or whatever when you're on the assembly line <laughs> five days a week uh-huh, it, yeah it's pretty horrible i think i think sorting bottles sorting bottles by by plastic by, by by material is probably about like jail because you have to choose <laughs> to show back up every day yes but i i can i can all like after the the shift is over I go to the parking lot and then I leave. I don't have to worry about getting stabbed on my way to the dressing room. You hope not. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. that's why I don't want to compare to being in jail. But I mean that the actual work, yes, it uh, it's probably exactly like prison labor. And it, maybe maybe Swedish jail is different than American jail too. Oh, <laughs> very much so. Very much so. I would uh, I would spend ten years in jail in Sweden before I spent one year in jail in the United States. I'll I'll put I'll add that to your stat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. So, uh, uh, Tim, you mentioned an Etsy store and some other stuff. Uh, where can people find find you to support you and uh, see what you're working on? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, website is timbaron.com. T-I-M-B-A-R-O-N.com. And if you go there, check out my bio. My good buddy Seth Richardson helped me update my my website, and my bio is fully uh, stacked with cool. I mean, you basically read my my life story there, and there's lots of cool pictures of toys, skateboarding. Like you definitely get a feel for who is uh, Tim Barron. Um, so, website is timbarron.com. Instagram is at timbarronart. And uh, the Etsy store is just a link. If you go to my website, um, you can just click on the store and it'll take you right to my, my Etsy page. All right. Are you gonna count? I'm going to count us in. You gonna count gonna close your eyes for me? No, I want to watch you count this time. You, oh, yeah? Make sure you're really doing it. So we're going to change the procedure every time? That's going to make it really easy. Okay, hold on. Are you ready? All right. I'll close one eye. Close one eye. I'll close both hands. One, two, three, clap. We nailed it. Yeah. It was perfect. That was perfect. We've never done it so good. That was the best. Could be the worst one ever. I think it's going to be hard to match the one from last week with Contino on the outro. That was your worst. Nope. This is perfect. This is the best one we've ever done. It was perfect. And uh, I think we should just fade out the music now. Yeah. We don't do fade yeah, out. Yeah, just end. We don't do fade out. Yeah, we do. We fade in the, we fade in the music. Yeah, we fade in the music. That's true. This is the only this is the only podcast where we actually talk about making the podcast during the podcast. You think so? I think there's yeah, well, well, well maybe. we know considering we know nothing about making a podcast still. 
Yep, that's true. I time talking about it. Yep. That's true. But that's so, that's what, what you... I didn't learn anything about Misfits from Tim Barron, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a... I think we're going to do a... I was thinking about that now that you mentioned it. We should probably do a, what, some sort of music episode where we take like a band, a couple of bands, discuss their shit. Because we talked about Outcast today. I think that could be a cool... Like take like a couple of references each for bands that we, yeah. we want to talk about. We could do some sort of back catalog episode. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That Just an idea. That way we can... Yeah. That way we can make sure that nobody under 40 listens to our podcast ever. Yeah, exactly. That'd be really cool. I think I, I would love to see our age range of who listens. I know the... Uh, it's, 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 it's 40-year-old dudes in cargo shorts. You think so? Yeah. It's just what it is. Yeah. I, I, mean, don't, I, don't, get, I don't mind. We don't appeal to women ever. We married the only women we appeal to. Exactly. There's no point. So... No point. Uh, and children, they're scared of us. So, I mean, it's just a lot of ways that we're just probably... If, if you look at, like, Brian Manley, bearded white dude with uh, cargo shorts yeah. on, or Matt Dawson, bearded white dude with cargo or shorts Or Grizzly on. Wheeler, bearded giant bearded white man dude with cargo, shorts, with cargo on. shorts on. Name name another person. Tim uh, Stiles. Bearded white dude with cargo He's shorts not, on. I think that's Tim's our... Tim's not our, right. That is our key demographic. Tim is not... And he wears Tim pants Tim is not right. We're going to split... We're going to split beard hairs here? Is that what we're going to do? He's fucking Cuban. That's like calling me white. You're African. I'm half African. Mm-hmm. What's the other half? Swedish. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have all the tattoos. Yes. Born with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Tim was cool. Tim was cool. Uh, I was. I, I got to be honest. Like, like uh, he's... He's so good at what he does that he was one of the first guests that we've had that I was like intimidated by like their abilities. I'm st- I still am. I don't know. Did did that disappear for you? Oh, I, I mean, just being relatable. I mean, yeah. I mean, like putting a you know getting to know somebody and talk to. Oh, him I know he was relatable. Easier, I, yeah. I knew he, how chill he was. But yeah, his, his works still in- intimidates the fuck out of me. I can never get on his level. So whatever. There you go. I just love going on Instagram and seeing people draw for real. I mean, because. As much as much as we use Procreate, and and, I mean, it's just it's nice to see people actually drawing because then it makes me want to get back and draw some more. Yeah. So, anytime somebody inspires you to do something productive, I think it's a good good interaction. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to use the King's Cheese podcast too much to um, to hawk this thing, but me and uh, Tim is going to be on on Garm Company too. And he's making a class for it, and it's gonna be all the way from from sketching on paper to procreate, and finishing up a, a full illustration thing. Yeah, I've been thinking about that myself, and I think that what we'll do is just every time that you mention it, I will just make a little check mark, and that is uh, X amount of dollars that you owe me. Yeah, for for advertising on my or, podcast, or we could or we could make it a <laughs> like a swear jar. Right. Yeah. Right. And I get the money. Yeah. No, so so it's gonna be yeah, cool to have worth it, to, to, to watch his. I'm really looking forward to his uh, his class. It's that's gonna be really cool. And the timing was pretty crazy because I I asked you like, shouldn't we have like Tim Barron on? And you were like, do you think he has time? He seems so busy. I'm like, I'll hit him up. And while I was hitting him up, I was like, I should might as well just ask him if he wants to do a class on Garm Company. And he said, 
that's the best timing I've ever. Like it, the, the, the timing yeah. is impeccable because he just uh, he said I just sent out emails to my mailing list to see if anyone was interested in the class and everyone was basically, so I already started like planning it. So let's do it. So that's gonna be cool. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm happy. That I'm you happy for you a, as well. So much, You're gonna be found part so of it. So much success. We have. Well, we'll oh, see how true. that goes. We'll see. Yep. We'll see. So, we'll so see what, what else what, do you got going on, Jason on Craig? Man, I I have a lot going on. I have uh, a lot. I'm I'm doing so much work, and I wanted to talk to Tim about that. Is this like, and I don't know if you have this, but uh, I know some people can relate to this because I've talked to them. But anybody who is doing very well during this pandemic, mm-hmm. like probably better than they would have been without the pandemic. There's this there's this like guilt. Like you don't want to admit that things are going well I talked because to, they're going um, so shitty for so many people. I talked to a friend of ours, Clark Orr, uh, over the weekend, and he called it survivor's guilt, which I thought was perfect. Yeah. A lot of people have a survivor's guilt. I'm not sure what it is because I know some really, really talented people who are actually struggling uh, after the yeah. pandemic. And I know a lot of talented people who are doing better than ever and some semi-talented people who are also doing really good i don't know what what the factor is like what do you think it is well i just i think that there's 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 no more or less work to be done it's just getting shifted into fewer places and so i'm fortunate to be one of the people that it's getting shifted to Mm -hmm. but it could easily be the opposite you know i mean like tim was just saying he left his job seven weeks ago like in the middle of a pandemic that's bullshit. like i knew people that left their job yeah, some of these people left their job a week before it started, mm-hmm. and they're screwed, you know. And and some people, like our friend Matt, got a job a week before the pandemic, and it was like, man, your plinko chip just hit in the hundred, yeah, son. So, uh, it, it's it's a weird time. You know, it, I think it all evens out for most people. I don't yeah, know, but at the same time, my attitude is still like, this could be the last thing. This could be the last. Mm-hmm. This could be the last. And I think maybe that's why. I'm finding some successes because I'm treating every job, every dollar, like I might not get another one tomorrow. And so when my clients have a meeting now, I'm going into it being like, oh, crap, they're going to fire me. Oh, crap, this is the last project. Oh, crap. And it's not desperation. I still stick to my business model and my guns and whatnot. But uh, it just keeps me keeps me very grounded. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, I think it was like I, I literally used to have an attitude of there will be more money. And so I would spend myself down to my last dollar and because I knew there would be more money. And now it's like, I don't know there's going to be more money. There might be. I hope there is. And if there is, I'm grateful. But I ain't guaranteed. Yeah, that, that's something I felt too. Like, I would love to see, like, I'm, I've been doing good during the pandemic. I haven't done better or worse, though, than last year. But uh, it's pretty much the same. I would just have loved to see where, well, what it would, what level it would have been at if the economy just kept going up like it was. But, you know, election years doesn't matter if pandemic or not. Election years are really sketchy. People are scared. They, mm-hmm. they never, like, not scared like like they are now, but, I mean, scared of, like, investing. They, they want to know who's going to be elected first before they start deciding how they're going to plan out their business because... It can shift pretty hard, so I I just remember 2016 being being a sketchy year. So 
and after as soon as the election was over everything just just started happening again last time i checked i mailed my bills to the power company not to the white house so i still gotta keep on keeping on yeah of course i i mean just like startups or like new businesses are opening up they all they usually put a hold until after everything is decided so we'll see what happens i did have a uh kind of a new development in my little thing uh i'm i'm gonna propose some uh website so uh i had a client i've been i was foretold by a friend of ours that uh that i needed to get into web design and i was like no i'm a print designer you know there's no circumstances where i need to be a web designer and he said that one day i'd be sitting across from a client and that that person would ask me for web design and i had the choice of either doing it or finding somebody else to do it for them and that situation came up and so i'm gonna propose a website oh wow that's bossy too so i would i'm just gonna tell you straight up that's something i would never ever do but good for you man but i i also have that's what i said i also have this thing where i can lean on the forefathers like if it's a solo project i'm just like yeah as soon as we're done with this we'll do the website thing but i'll I'll rope you in with my forefathers crew, and right. they're usually cool with that. Whenever I get an, an inquiry where it's like website, uh, no, sorry, where it was like branding, some illustrations, maybe some collateral, and then we also want to look at a website. I'm like, fuck, why is the website thing in this? Now I have to like explain that I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think web design well, work uh, is is horrific. I'm just gonna say it straight out. I used to be a web designer. Work. You work. You, you you you. You work for a goddamn web design company. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. We're going to be direct competitors once I get this job. Yep. No, but but I, I like... Yeah, direct. I, I like I'm illustrating. I'm smoke, y'all. <laughs> I like illustrating for websites, finding ideas like, how can we use you for this project? I'm like, I can do the footer art. I can do... Right. Uh, I can do icons for the website. I just don't want to be involved in the actual design or anything of the actual website because it's... I think it's the worst fucking part of that you can ever do. But can I hire you to do the branding for my web design company? No. No. no you can't. You won't do the stepfather <laughs> step, uh, identity. Step, is that what it's going to be called, the stepfathers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, just stepfather. Just stepfather. stepfather. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Just put some like real like put like a globe and like a compass and an eyeball and some lightning. And stepfather, we got it. And an older man beating up a younger child. Right, with a scale. Yes. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. You know, some some that stuff you so, do. Something fa- family friendly. Family friendly, stepfather. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to build websites now. I can do that. What do you have going on besides your besides Garmco? Um, you got anything cool going a on? A couple of cool projects going on. Sadly, I can't talk about them. It's one of those deals. But... Well, one of them that we're work, yeah. we're back working with our um, one of our biggest clients for Forefathers is back. Um, they are a restaurant group called McNelly's, and we do a lot of work for them. And when the pandemic hits, we had to scrap two out of three new contracts with them because they had to put those on hold because the restaurant. Wow. So that sucked, but. They are back, and they have some new business ideas going, and we're working with them on a very cool new project. So that's the one I'm, I'm the most excited about. Then I got some other – So there's a couple of restaurants I started working with. It seems like people are getting ready to launch as soon as this shit is over because I think there's going to be a 
a gap to fill there. And I think there's a lot of yeah. retail space open to uh, for these these people. So we'll see what happens with that. But I've been I've been mostly focused on <clears throat> on Garm Company uh, lately, and I think that's what I'm gonna do basically all of September. It's gonna be it's gonna be like seventy thirty, Garmco versus client work. Yeah, and don't don't forget my one percent and your one percent the swear jar. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we covered. I think it. We covered all. And uh, man, I'm really starting to. I'm just gonna say that I'm really starting to enjoy these every week. It's uh, it's becoming easier really? and easier. But just recording these, and I think it's it's becoming more and more natural to, to just call each other, start chatting, and getting some cool dude on and just talk. There you go. Yeah. That's the description of the podcast. That's pretty much it. But, I mean, it just feels like it's I'm less like... Whenever we started recording in the beginning, it was always like, not super awkward, but it, it always felt more awkward than when it was turned off. Does that make sense? Right. And now uh, yeah. I don't really give a shit if we're recording or just talking. We're pr- pretty much doing the same thing. And I don't know if it, if, if, yeah. if, if it shows, but maybe, maybe it does. Thanks, bro.